Today on CityCast Boise, Mountain Home gets snubbed when we're talking about why we love the Treasure Valley, but Idaho State Senator Jeff Schroeder is here to tell us why we shouldn't sleep on this sister city. Plus, we dig into his first year at the legislature and why he thinks getting an F rating from the Idaho Freedom Foundation is a badge of honor. It's Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for coming on CityCast Boise. Well, hi, Emma. Glad to be here. So let's start with how did you end up in Mountain Home? I know you're from Kamii originally. Yeah, so I... Uh, did did the traditional first uh, semester at U of I right out of high school. Uh, so as an 18-year-old me, discovered uh, alcohol and friends in a fraternity house. Well, I got a very low grade point average. Uh, I was invited to come back when I knew what I wanted to do. And then I joined the Army National Guard to pay for college. They had an armory right there in Moscow. And then they reorganized the guard and they said, you know, they don't have a, an armory in Mountain Home. We're going to move you there. So uh, that was 33 years ago that uh, I uh, moved to open up the National Guard Armory on the hill up uh, outside of Mountain Home. I moved there in, in June of 1990. I moved into a house that was right behind one of Mountain Home's very beautiful parks, Carl Miller Park, that now has the the big uh, F-111 airplane in it. But it was kind of the kind of the um, Mountain Home version of Boise's North End. So big tree-lined streets, a lot of very nice homes with porches on them. And, and uh, it's an amazing place because there are people from all over the world who have been assigned there to the Air Force Base or have moved there for various reasons. And I fell in love with the place. And I had plenty of opportunities to move over the past 33 years, but I stayed and uh, married someone who grew up there. Uh, we've been married now for 30 years, and built a house, and it's just a wonderful town. I love it. 33 years. So how has it changed out there? Are you seeing the same growth as the rest of Treasure Valley out in Mountain Home? Yes, the, the growth has changed over time. It's grown from about nine to 10,000, I think, when I lived there first, when I first moved there to about fifteen to 16,000 now. So it's grown quite a bit. They formed an urban renewal agency that was tied to the cheese factory that was built there in 2005. And that has provided funding, significant funding, the way urban renewal agencies are supposed to by funding a complete revamping of the downtown area, widened sidewalks, uh, planters. Uh, it's it's just a big plaza. It's beautiful. And, and it's the core that now the events are kind of more downtown centered. And it's just a fun place to walk. It's just incredible, uh, an incredible array of very nice parks, um, some some good restaurants, some nice patio uh, patio restaurants and, and bars. Uh, my favorite brew pub in the entire world is right on the kind of the main drag and it's a dog friendly outfit. So nice. Okay. And how long have you been a city council person out there? So I ran for one term in 2007, got done. Then I took uh, two years off the city council and ran again in, in 2013. So I did two two terms. It was interesting because our firm decided to put in for some of the uh, city attorney work. And so I resigned from the city council and let that go how it would. So any projects like that you're particularly proud of, challenges that you faced as a city council person? 
I learned a great deal about local government and how it's really uh, local city governments and local city councils are really where the rubber meets the road. It's where um, you have the most impact, the most influence. We have a 27 person uh, police department and that comes with its whole host of, of issues. These, these uh, law enforcement officers do a, a stellar job of keeping our community safe. I think that's one of the other things that really drew me to Mountain Home. It is, in spite of the fact that I'm a prosecutor now for the city and I deal with it every day, it is largely violent crime free. It's a very safe mm. city, it has been. And that was one of the things that I wanted to protect uh, as a councilman. And so I think we've done a good job of that. Okay, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, uh, but I think like a lot of people, I would never think of like doing a day trip out in Mountain Home, you know, like uh, I think a lot of Boise people, it's kind of a little bit off of their radar. So where are you taking me in Mountain Home to change my mind? Give me a perfect day in Mountain Home. Well, I'm not going to try to change your mind because uh, we would just be, we're fine if you just keep, not kidding. (laughs) So there are, well, I guess I started out with the parks. Um, you can go and, and enjoy um, Legacy Park that has water features. There's a gazebo. There are plenty of uh, events that occur. You're going you're gonna to want to come see the Mountain Home Air Force Base uh, Air Force Appreciation Day Parade that at one point was the largest one in the state. Um, you're going to want to come to the Endless Summer Beer Festival in August. It's at Cara Miller Park. Um, I'm going to take you to Curly's on the corner right when you come into town, and then you you make that first. It's a one-way before you go into the underpass, and there's an outdoor patio there. Uh, if you like to listen to trains <laughs> when they go by <laughs> and pause the conversation a little. But um, it's just a nice uh, outdoor patio bar. There's the Stockyard Bar, Blue Pit Brewing right there on the main drag. Uh, they're delicious uh, El Heradero uh, Mexican restaurant. Um, up on the hill are a couple of restaurants that I, uh, Savory Lane, which used to be AJ's, a place I used to hang out. So the, so those are some nice areas. You can you can walk through. It's a very walkable city. There's a walking path. Just beautiful neighborhoods that you can, can just walk through and appreciate some of the old architecture from the early town. And then you can, you know, you can visit the air base. And there's outlying areas you can visit. It's th- 30 minutes to the Bruno Dunes and the Bruno Dunes Observatory is there for their uh, opening, um, you know, and it's kind of counterintuitive. We'll come to Mountain Home so that you can leave Mountain Home and go somewhere else. <laughs> but it's really nicely located to be able to reach out and go to these these uh, areas that are on the periphery that are that are interesting and neat. So that brewery you mentioned that is your favorite uh, that's dog friendly. Do they have food? What do you usually get there? And what's the name of it? It's called Blue Pit Brewing. They typically have food trucks. Wednesday night, they have trivia, uh, which has been enormously popular. And they'll have a food truck parked out back in the alley. Um, but it's one of my favorite places. I've, I haven't, uh, I have not drank alcohol for 20 months now, I think, mm. something like that. And they have done a really good job. I don't drink the alcohol-containing beer, so they sell non-alcoholic beer there for me and for anyone else who wants to drink it. So it's just a, it's a fun place. It's They've got little couches. It's a nice place to go after work. I love that. I It's funny. Um my, I, you know, I, my only real introduction to Mountain Home is, as you know, I used to have a monthly show out at the Stockyard, which is funny that you mentioned it because uh, when comedians would come through and do this this run where they would do a bunch of Idaho towns, I would tell them that the Stockyard, uh, very nice people, pretty rowdy. I would tell people to prepare themselves for a, 
a particular kind of mountain home mix of Air Force personnel. And also, I don't know if you remember, because I think you were at one of the, the first couple of shows, uh, the uh, firefighters were in the back. The mountain home firefighters had their meeting and they would be oh, yelling yes. at us to shut up and we would be yelling at them to shut up. <laughs> Until finally about the third show where they settled in and said, okay, fine, we like your show. Uh, and they would come and watch. So the Stockyard is really my, the only thing I know about Mountain Home is that you're very rowdy at comedy shows. But that was a fun show. And it is a fun town. It's a, it's It's got like a real sweetness to it, like you said. And, you know, I've, I've met quite a few people from there. And and like you said, very, a lot more diverse than you would expect out in, you know, in, in a rural town just outside of Boise. Yeah, and and I, I the stockyard is still a great um, great. I, I still love going there. He's done a lot of work. Uh, he's got a big outdoor um, patio area now as well. That's very enjoyable. Uh, lots of li- a place for live music in addition to the indoor area. So it and he also sells for me non-alcoholic beer. So it's very nice. Um, yeah, it, but it does in the toward later at night. Uh, it it's kind of like the the Pengillies dichotomy. So you go to Pengillies at four, you can hear a pin drop. Uh, there's there's just a few people there. And then about 8.30 p.m., it's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. Uh, packed yeah. And, and so forth. So, yeah. This was your first year as a, an Idaho state senator. What has that been like? Well, I've, I've followed the Idaho legislature for a long time because it directly impacts cities and local government's ability to do the things that they're supposed to do. Many times there's ill thought out legislation that you have to try to see if you can do something about. So I've oftentimes thought about having a seat at the table in that role and the opportunity came up. And so I decided to run and it's a new, it was a new district. They redistricted the state. So my district is the largest um, in acreage or geographically of all of the 35 legislative districts in the state. It's all of Custer, Boise, Valley, and Elmore County. I was up to the challenge of representing a district that large because our law firm represents a bunch of the cities in that district. So I was already familiar with having to go to city council meetings or planning and zoning hearings in Chalice and Stanley and Horseshoe Band and so forth. So you start this first year as senator and you're representing this giant district of like, you know, a lot of different little small towns, basically. Um, But you got in hot water a couple of times right away with the far right folks in your own party. You even got censured by the Valley County Republican Central Committee. Is that right? Well, now you're you're minimizing my accomplishments. I was censured by all all four county central committees. And as I pointed out to someone, it's my fifth uh, lifetime censure. I got one from Elmore County years ago. So, um, oh, congratulations. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because you're, you're elected to be part of a deliberative body. And my whole point of running and being elected is uh, knowing what Idaho is like and then evaluating as an attorney, evaluating the effect of the written law. I did an internship with this law firm and approached how you should approach legislation, how you should approach ordinance writing. I want people to do X, Y, or Z. Okay, well, then let's, there ought to be a law about that. Well, does the law that you wrote get accomplished that? And is the law that you wrote something that people can read and understand and follow? And so my whole point has been, I'm going to evaluate a piece of legislation based on that. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, but sometimes you can prevail upon a person 
who is bringing the legislation, hey, if we amend it this little way, it will have less of a bad effect. But that's not uh, what the folks, you know, who are uh, the conflict entrepreneurs who are attempting to, basically these were put up as stunts for the next election so that they could get standby. They've already sent out uh, hit pieces on me and they've been doing it the whole time. Yeah, I saw that the Idaho Freedom Foundation actually gave you an F rating. What's your reaction to that? Well, I, it's a pity that it couldn't go lower. Um, <laughs> I, those are, they're not serious uh, policy folks. They have exposed themselves as not being serious about, about uh, champions of liberty. Nobody knows who is funding them or, or what they're about. It's a hidden agenda. You, you don't get to know. And there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do uh, to please them, particularly if you think for yourself. You either go in lockstep with what their commands are or you get thrown out, which is mm -hmm. what we're seeing right here. It's, it's I, I mean, it's 100% predictive. I could go back to the next session and vote in lockstep with them every time and they wouldn't care. They would want me out because I think for myself and I think for my constituents and I listen to my constituents and not them. Mm. You know, that's funny that you're talking about the definition of a Republican, because I think of you as like the Republicans I grew up with from my youth, like the ranchers and the farmers I grew up with in rural Idaho, uh, you know, who uh, had more conservative views and wanted smaller government, you know, uh, but your party has really changed a lot in the last decade. What do you think the future holds for the, the Idaho Republican Party? I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. They can get in tune with the people, the rank and file voters. So I guess, I guess the answer to that is this. The future of the Republican Party is being in tune with rank and file voters and listening to rank and file voters rather than telling rank and file voters what is or what is not the truth. Mm political truth. I hear some frustration in your your voice over that. Like, I think I heard you take off your glasses and rub your eyes just then. Like, <laughs> is there some frustration for you about about like where things are at? So there is a member, there is a, a, a an executive director of a, a well-financed influence peddling organization that I don't like to name. But that person was telling the Elmore County Republican Central Committee in June of 2021, he said to them, consider the, the uh, central committees, the county, individual county, county central committees as though they were the team owners and the legislators are the players on the team. Wow. And you yeah. couldn't get a better picture of how backwards and how wrong that is. The purpose of the Central Committee is to get Republicans elected to office in the general election. They're mostly to bow out during the primary. And so what you have is this complete shift, this complete turning on its heels of uh, the top down mandate instead of the ground up. I'm wondering for you personally, like given that F rating from the Idaho Freedom Foundation and your censures within your own Republican Party, do you think you'll take a different approach next session? Or like even if it costs you politically, are you going to stick with your current approach? Absolutely. That's what that's what I came to do. I just got a text from a constituent. Hey, my friend, I got the Freeloader Foundation hate mail today. My family and I appreciate all you do and stand for. Keep up the good fight. You have our support. Hmm. So for for a you know rank and file constituent to refer to to correctly points out that they they're not they're there trying to tell people what to think instead of taking what people actually think and translating that into recommendations. 
So I take original thoughts. I see a piece of legislation. I'm like, I understand how this works in the real world. I'm the guy that has to navigate city council meetings or planning and zoning hearings. This is the way this is going to work here. And this is the way it's going to work in court. And these are the problems I see with it. How about we sit down, roll up our sleeves and get this fixed? And then we do it. But if you try to do that with some of these issues that they're using to manufacture sound bites for elections, there's no hope. It's an impossible task. And so there's no point in in catering to that. So I don't do it and I won't. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you one last question here. Um, as you told us, you served in the Idaho National Guard for a long time and living in Mountain Home means you represent a community where like military service is a really big deal with the Air Force Base being there and the National Guard too, of course. I want to ask you because we're coming up on July 4th, how do you think about patriotism right now, given our political climate these days? Like, has that shifted for you? I guess I, I view I view patriotism through a little different lens. I'm a, although I'm a veteran, I I think the people who made the sacrifice are the families who sent their loved ones over to risk their lives where they may not come back. And so, I appreciate that people appreciate the service, but the the real heroes, I think, are the people who had to sit and wait and had to suffer for the loss and, and the ones who suffered the loss that did occur, that the person never came back. And that hits pretty close to home for me. It's a common theme when you're speaking to someone else who served in the military. Uh, there's a connection there that's just, well, I have deep connections with the people I served with for 20 years, but people in other services or whatever, you, there's just kind of a, I get it sort of a thing. Um, and that's something that's nice and well understood in a, in a community like Mountain Home. Well, Senator Schroeder, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I can't wait to come out to Mountain Home and, and check out, I had no idea, tree-lined streets. I had no idea that it was gorgeous out there. So I will definitely be coming to check it out. Awesome. Look forward to having you over. Come anytime. And speaking of the future of the Idaho Republican Party, they just had their big summer meeting and it was a doozy. According to Idaho reports, they made a vote of no confidence against Governor Brad Little, cleared a path for censuring members of its own ranks and removed executive committee voting privileges from a women's chapter and two youth chapters. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you told your friends, family, acquaintances, and enemies. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye.